from American Public Media, this is Top Score, an exploration of video game soundtracks and the contemporary composers and musicians who make them. I'm Emily Reese. Extended episodes of Top Score are now part of the Infinite Guest Network. You can share your thoughts online at infiniteguest.org. Singer Lizbeth Scott had an unusual entry into the world of film and game music when a composer overheard her singing and asked her to sing on a soundtrack. Since that encounter, Lizbeth has worked with a who's who of composers in film, television, and video games. You can hear her singing on soundtracks from Mass Effect 3, Metal Gear Solid 4, and the game Journey. Don't you know I'm so My first introduction to you, I suppose, was probably before Journey, because you've been in so many films and other projects, but the first time I thought, who is this woman, (laughs) would have been for Journey. So can you tell me a little bit about that project and getting involved in the video game world? Yes. Austin contacted me about Journey months and months before they ever even started recording. It was still in the drawing stages. And the only thing he said was, this is such an amazing project. It's so different. It's going to change the face of games forever. And and you have to be the voice of it. You just have to. So Austin knows me very well. He knows I'm a pacifist. He knows I love beauty and I love creating beauty in the world. And so I felt like he had really chosen the right person. And and I love working with him. I love his work. So, you know, we just stayed in touch. We did a couple of different sessions, fleshing out ideas that he had until it sort of became clear which direction he was going to go. And then I came in and we recorded quite a bit of just vocal phrases, vocal work on top of other tracks that he was creating. And then when it came time to do the end song, we talked a bit about it and what he wanted to accomplish with it, which was sort of this melding of the world, basically, using all the different languages and... And then we we went to the studio for probably about three hours, actually, to do that song. And it was really, really special. I was in a compartment, in a very special, quiet compartment that was like a little spaceship almost (laughs) uh, with this world that had been created by Austin's music. And it was fun to sort of figure out how I wanted to interpret it and what it brought up in me emotionally. 
Was that the very first time you'd ever recorded for a game before? No, not at all. I think it was for John Debney. Or it may have been actually for Harry. You know what it was? It was for Harry Gregson Williams. Um, and it was the song Here's to You. Here's to you, Nicola and Bob. Rest forever here in our hearts. Last is yours. So that was my first experience recording for a game and it was new for me. I'm not a gamer, but I love music and I loved the fact that the music for games was getting more and more expansive and going into more and more realms, becoming all live musicians. It was just, it was a wonderful thing. And for me, wherever I can put my voice, whatever the context is, <laughs> uh, most times, most times I'll do it because my intention as a singer is always to uplift or open, transform. And I figure you can do that in most any context if your intention is straight. I imagine that you started singing when you were pretty young. I actually didn't. I was a classical pianist from the time I was six to about 20 or 21. Studied at the New England Conservatory and Connecticut College and in London. And then I actually had a wonderful teacher for like two months who changed my life. That was when I started singing. Her name was Lois Shapiro. I think she's still in Boston, an incredible concert pianist. And I remember being in her apartment, taking a lesson in Cambridge, Mass. And I was playing some concerto. And she stopped me and she said, Elizabeth, what do you want to do? (laughs) (laughs) Because... I could do it technically. It was all great, and it was musical too, but she, more than anyone else, actually she was the only one who saw there was something else in me that I wanted to express, and I'm so thankful for that. So I moved to California immediately, and I was dabbling in a lot of things, dance and music, of course, and I was playing for a dance class, and somebody heard me singing, composer Jeff Rona. He was working for Hans Zimmer at the time, and He said, wow, your voice is great. Will you sing on a Hans Zimmer score for me? (laughs) (laughs) Talk about divine intervention. And I said, who's Hans Zimmer? I don't, well, sure, whatever. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, so that's that's sort of how it started. That was my entree into the film world. <laughs> wow, wow, just right off the bat, singing for Zimmer. How about that? I know, it was pretty funny, and I, of course, had no idea at the time. Do you ever <laughs> go back to piano? Oh, constantly. I have a gorgeous piano, and I play every day, and I use it in my compositions constantly and my arrangements. Yeah, I use it all the time. So it's it's been an invaluable tool that I've... It's really been like the horse that's led me through my life of music. 
When Mass Effect 3 came out, I'm a very big Mass Effect fan, and so I was playing it right off the bat, and I got to the scene where we get to, for the first time ever, meet a female Krogan. Yay! (laughs) I know. And this song started, and I paused the game to email my agent friend and say, who wrote this song? Who's the singer? I have to find out. And he wrote me back right away. He said Christopher Leonard wrote that song. And so I think the next day I emailed Chris and said, can I interview you? Because that song is so lovely. Tell me a little bit about that project, and did you have a sense of how important that scene was and how important that game is to the gamers like me? Well, it's interesting because oftentimes when I do these sessions, it's very isolated. So I don't even see the scene many times. I just hear the music and I get a a brief synopsis, if that, of what's going on or what the music that I'm singing may be used for. So no, I didn't know exactly where it would be or why it would be used. But I love Chris. He's just such a wonderful composer and such a dear person. And We had always had a great connection ever since we met. I totally trusted him, and I remember he had just gotten his gorgeous new studio, and I think my session was one of the first that they were doing after everything had been rebuilt. So it was a special day on many counts, and it did feel quite wonderful while we were working on it. And like I said, it's it's always fun for me to see the after because so often I'm, I'm in the before <laughs> where we're recording things in little bits and pieces and I can't even sense how it's all going to be put together. So it's really nice to know that the work we did that day was a positive effect on people. <laughs> So do you go back then and watch these scenes that they drop you into? You know, it's so funny. Many times I do not. And I recently read an interview with Emma Stone, the actress, and she got to one part of it and I just gasped because she said she can never watch a film that she's in and that when her agent or whoever brings her for a screening, she goes outside into the hallway. (laughs) And I have to say, I'm a little bit like that. For some reason, I've always done this when I hear music recorded. Even as a kid, I think, where were they? What were they doing? What did it look like? What mic were they using? Who was in the room? And I remember all of that stuff. I remember if I was nervous or if I kept screwing up in a certain part and had to do it over and over. Those things unfortunately stay with me. (laughs) (laughs) So it makes it harder for me to just sit back and relax and listen to a part that I've 
sung in a film or game or a song that I've performed. I think I'm too much of a perfectionist and too much of a critic of myself. Now, you went to music school. I went to music school. I know what it's like in terms of how some musicians view singers that are in music school. Right. You know what I'm talking about. So do you find that that is something that exists outside of music school? Do you you ever find that there are challenges for you to be taken seriously because you're a singer? (laughs) Hang on. Give me a few minutes to finish laughing. interesting journey for me because I kind of came out of the womb creating a lot of different kinds of music and as a kid I would always improvise had no idea that I was actually composing so when I found out or the world showed me that I had a voice and that it was a very powerful voice I was thrilled and I just sort of like I said I sort of rode the horse where it was taking me and even years ago when I would arrive at a session as a singer and just sort of casually say well uh, I write songs too sometimes it's hard when people think of someone in a certain way singers especially they can't quite break out of that vision you know so Sure, it has been a little bit more challenging for me to say, no, 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 no. I am a singer, but I'm also this. (laughs) And I also think and I also create. And, and, you know, I'm more than meets the eye and the ear, sort of. (laughs) It must be a little frustrating to have that added uphill climb, because as it is, it's an uphill climb to be a composer. Oh, my God. Tell me about it. But I, I can't think about that. I just know that this is my path on the earth, and there are really important things that in each day I'm learning, in each job I do, in each interaction I have, that create the whole of who I am now and who I'm going to be tomorrow and what I'm going to create in a month or a week. and you realized later in life that you were actually composing when you were doing that. So at what point later in your life did you decide, you know, I think I really want to write this song down or I want to make this piece of music? How did that transition happen for you? Do you ever get that feeling that you have to throw up and there's nothing you can do to stop it? Sort of, that's sort of how it happened, not to equate my creating with throwing up. But, but it, 
It was that feeling. I can't explain it other than that. It's this feeling I get in my heart and my stomach that there is something that has to come out, and there's no other way it will come out except for me writing it or singing it or recording a guitar part or recording a ukulele and piano, whatever. It's just I hear it, and I have to get it out. And so that's how it started. I started writing more and more and and just experimenting with recording and found an old four track in a dance department I was working at and dusted it off and started recording and would be there till three or four in the morning in the dance studio by myself just experimenting and I had so much to explore. And now you've continued that process. You have numerous solo projects, right? Yes. These days, I am working on a Broadway musical version of HBO's True Blood with composer Nathan Barr. Take me home, love. Oh, take me home. Over the hillside and over the sea. To the soft grass of the valley where your graves shall set. Nathan got the rights from HBO, and the two of us set to work probably six months ago, and uh, it's really so fun. I just love the musical world. My sister was a Broadway dancer and singer, and uh, that, that world has always been in my heart. How do you feel, you know, you've mentioned dance and the huge influence of piano as well. How do you think that those ventures color you as a singer? Whenever I sing, I see things. For years, when I would perform, people would say to me, your eyes are always closed when you're singing. Why is that? And, you know, I wasn't your typical Celine Dion out there staring at everyone. and Pounding your chest, yeah. Right. That wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't who I was. I was the one who would stand in the middle of the stage quietly with my eyes shut while thousands of people were wondering what I was doing. <laughs> And then I would start to sing, and they would go, oh. So when you all of a sudden kind of realized that you could sing, I'm sure you knew you could sing, did you take any lessons then? I mean, had you had any formal voice training at that point? No, none. I was singing in Boston just after I'd graduated from college in a dance class, and I noticed that my throat hurt a little bit when I would sing one note. So a friend in the class suggested a woman who was a teacher she knew And she became my first teacher and a fast friend. And the most powerful thing she did for me was show me how to breathe and tell me not to take voice lessons. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yes, because when you study voice, you train your voice in a certain style. It's inevitable. And she said, you sing in so many different ways and from so many different places in your body that I would hate for you to lose that by learning only one method. And what she told me is what I always tell singers now who contact me is learn how to breathe. 
So since you're involved in so many different projects, how about influences, Lizbeth? Tell me who you love to sing along with or who you grew up listening to. I grew up listening to Joni Mitchell almost exclusively and Laura Nero. My sister had a fantastic collection of music, and so did my dad. So I listened to the Mills Brothers and Judy Garland obsessively. I listened to Tchaikovsky and Bach chorales forever and ever. While the snow was falling, I would sit next to the stereo. I am a gray sky waiting to cry. of things can we expect in True Blood, the musical? <laughs> I can't tell you. Oh, okay. It's but all secret no. right now. No, but it, not really. We're focusing on the first season just because the story lends itself to a musical. And the music is sort of an offshoot of the music of the show itself. It's sort of a combination of Louisiana swamp music and Civil War music and pop music <laughs> all rolled into one. And it's just a blast to write. It's it's so freeing. It really is. Well, Lizbeth, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with yeah, you. And same here. And uh, really just enjoy hearing you on everything I've ever heard you on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. That means a lot. It really does. Thank you for being so lovely. Oh, thank you, Lizbeth. Nice. Keep singing. I just can't wait to hear what's next. <laughs> thank you. All right. Okay. We'll talk soon. Okay, take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Top Score from American Public Media. I'm Emily Reese. Extended episodes of Top Score are now available on the Infinite Guest Network. Learn more and hear some of our other programs, like A Tiny Sense of Accomplishment with Sherman Alexie and Jess Walter, or Secret Skin with Open Mike Eagle. Visit InfiniteGuest.org. Top Score is funded in part by a grant from the National Endowment for the Arts, Artworks. Top Score's production assistant is Pierce Huxtable. That's Top Score from American Public Media. I'm Emily Reese.